a mom is grieving over her prodigal child. I had a question about plastic surgery, and another mom asks, are there alternatives to yoga? Today's Mailbox Monday. I'm going to take your question. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Off the Bench podcast. This is Heidi St. John. I'm so glad you guys have joined me today. This is probably one of my favorite days of the week here at the show because it gives me an opportunity to uh, interact directly with listeners. If you would like to have a question addressed here at the show, the way to do that is to go to Mailbox Monday. So you just go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash Mailbox Monday and you can leave your question or your comment in the box that you'll find at Mailbox Monday. Uh, I've got a couple of announcements. So before I get going here today and rolling on this thing, I want to get you guys uh, caught up as to what I'm going to be doing because my speaking season is just getting up off the ground. A couple of things I want to let you guys know. I'm going to be in uh, South Carolina in Greenville on February 4th for the Teach Them Diligently conference. You guys know I love that particular event. We have a hoot and holler and good time, and you will not be sorry. Coming out, wonderful speakers. It's a chance for you to get encouraged and to just be reminded of why you're doing this thing in the first place. Uh, One of the things I really love about Teach Them Diligently is they really have a great, solid focus on family discipleship. And at the end of the day, that's why we homeschool our children, isn't it? We homeschool them because we want to disciple them in the ways of the Lord. Of course, we want to give our kids a good education, but it really pales in comparison to teaching our children how to walk with Jesus. And the thing, that homeschooling gives us more than any other thing. The biggest blessing of homeschooling is the gift of time. It gives you the time to spend with your children, time to get to know the strengths and weaknesses of your children, time to answer their questions, time to uh, teach them about the one who made them and uh, just give them a jumpstart on their walk with the Lord and into their adult life. So you guys know that I love that conference and that's where I'm going to be coming up on February 4th really quickly. Actually, can't wait for that. And then also on March 30th through April the 1st, I am very honored and excited to be keynoting again at Answers in Genesis for their Answers for Women conference. If you have never been to the Answers for Women conference, first of all, it's held at the Ark Encounter. And so you definitely want to go. They have a state-of-the-art auditorium. Uh, It's a phenomenal, phenomenal weekend, and it's a wonderful chance for you to get encouraged in the Word We're going to teach you how to put on the full armor of God to stand against the schemes of the devil. And not only are you going to get great teaching, but you'll have an opportunity to really check out what is probably one of the most amazing attractions for Christians and people of faith anywhere in the world. And that is the Answers in Genesis campus, both the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. So you guys check that out. I'm really happy to be going back there. Uh, Answers in Genesis, one of my favorite organizations. Those guys love the Lord. And you're going to be very, very encouraged. Also, if you've never picked up my book, Bible Promises for Moms, uh, that is now on its eighth printing. And so I'm really excited to see so many of you picking that up and uh, being blessed and encouraged by it. It's a wonderful gift. A lot of people buy that book because it's really inexpensive. I think it's like three bucks. A lot of people buy them in packets of 10 and they give them out to a mom that they see struggling in a grocery store or somebody for a baby shower. It's just a really great little book. It's a pocket book. Again, it's called Bible Promises for Moms, and uh, it's really written to just encourage you and give you a shot in the arm from the Word of God, and it's sprinkled with devotions from me throughout it. So I think you guys will enjoy that. All right, I want to jump into your questions because there's a lot of them, and I'm I'm always uh, 
I'm always amazed. I can never get through all of your questions. I'm going to try to get through a bunch of them today. I'm going to start with a mom who asked me about plastic surgery. And she wrote in and said, Dear Heidi, I have a friend who's considering getting plastic surgery. Is anything about this dishonoring to the Lord? Well, that's a really good question. And the reason I think it's a good question is because what you're doing is you're you're asking what we should always ask. Whenever we make any decision, we should always ask, does this honor the Lord? Is this what God would have me do? And as believers, we always want to go to the Bible. So let's do that today. You know, the, the first thing you want to ask yourself is, what is the condition of my heart? So you can't judge the heart of your friend. But if you're talking about yourself, considering any kind of a cosmetic procedure for yourself, the question is a question of the heart. There's nothing in scripture that says that these kinds of procedures are wrong. There's nothing that says they're inherently sinful or anything like that. And so off the top of my head, I just answered the same question a couple of months ago. Uh, I don't see anything anti-biblical in that, uh, in your friend wanting to do this at all. We got to be in check with the Holy Spirit when it comes to the conditions of our own heart. So Philippians 2, uh, chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others as more significant than yourself. Boy, you guys, what would happen? (laughs) What would happen in the culture right now if we were looking at other people and counting them as more significant than we are? It's amazing in in the culture that is so driven by social media. We are very, very aware, aren't we? of the platforms of other people. There's a lot, there's a push to have platform. That's what's coveted right now more than any other thing. And in the age of selfies, the Bible is reminding us, hey, don't do anything from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, there's a key word for you, count others as more significant of your, uh, more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Again, this goes back to the condition of the heart, and that is where God will always start. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9 says, Likewise, also women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly attire. Wow, this one's jumping into the deep end, right? Because some people are going to take that verse literally and say, Oh, my goodness, if, if, that, uh, if that coat you're wearing costs more than 15 bucks and you got it any place but the goodwill, then somehow that is dishonoring to the Lord. No, Timothy, this is Paul, remember, instructing Timothy. Timothy is getting ready to take on quite a large teaching role, and Paul is teaching Timothy by demonstrating to him how he should be shepherding the people. What he's reminding the people of, especially women in this case, is your focus should never be on your hair. Your focus should not be just on yourself and on how beautiful you can be and I suppose you could put, you know, plastic surgery or for going to sake makeup into that category, right? Uh, what we're told is that we need to have our priorities in order. And the Bible uh, tells us exactly what those are. Again, it goes back to what we were just talking about in Philippians chapter two. God looks on the heart. Proverbs 31 verse 30 says, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. At the end of the day, in the culture, and this is this has been true for many, many years, especially where women are concerned, there is a huge push to uh, to make ourselves look a certain way. We're very, very visually stimulated as people, right? We're a visual society. And if you don't believe me, just go through the checkout stand at Walmart and tell me what you see on the covers of magazines. 
The Bible is reminding us men and women over and over and over again that God is interested, more interested in our heart than he will ever be in the way that we look. Now, does that mean that it's wrong to look nice? No, absolutely not. Is makeup wrong? No, I've told you guys before, uh, My the, the teacher that I quote most often on this was a 97 year, the 97-year-old founder of Multnomah School of the Bible when my husband and I were in school there in the late 80s and early 90s. Uh, he had this question from one of the young college kids. And here's this, you know, 97-year-old Irishman standing up in front of all of us, you know, the would-be shepherds of the next generation. We want to learn from this guy. And one of the young students asked him if makeup was wrong. And he just leaned into the microphone as he often did. And he said, if the barn needs painting, paint it. <laughs> you know, and just this very, you know, today he even ran out of town on a rail and canceled and everything else. But he was saying, look, at the, the makeup is not wrong. The plastic surgery is not wrong. What we want to be sure is that our heart reflects, that the outside reflects what's going on on the inside. And so God looks on the heart. And we have seen a generation now for, well, actually more than a generation, for generations, women especially, who are more concerned with the outward appearance than we are with what's going on on the inside. And moms, that's what we want to teach our daughters. God looks on the heart. I love this out of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 4, but let your adorning be in the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. I will never forget the last couple of years that I spent with my grandmother before, before she went home to be with the Lord. And I remember her just sitting in her chair one day, you know, in her mid-90s, and she said, Heidi, when did I get old? I, I, I don't recognize the woman in the mirror that's staring back at me in my heart, in my mind. I feel like I did when I was in my 30s. But the reality is we all get old, every single one of us. Doesn't matter how much makeup we use, doesn't matter how much plastic surgery, we are getting older. And it, it's a reminder, or it should be, that as we recognize that we are just mortals, we're just here for a little while, God's admonition to us that we focus on the heart should always be at the forefront of every decision that we make. All right, Linda in Missouri said, Dear Heidi, I've been listening to your podcast for a few years. Thank you, Linda. And I love the Christian views you take on the culture. My heart is broken. I feel as if I'm losing my family to the world. I've raised my three children to love and honor God. And ever since they have left my home as adults, they are turning their back on God. Over the holiday, my youngest son came out as gay and has said he is dating someone. I'm so shocked and heartbroken. My two other children say they're happy for him, and even my husband is now saying I need to support him. I'm at a loss for words, and I feel my family pulling away from me because they know I am struggling with this. My children have told me that God has made my youngest this way, and why would God punish him for the way he was made? Can they still be Christians and believe in this? Please, any words of advice would be appreciated. All right, Linda. Well, first of all, uh, you know, this is the argument we hear all the time, you know, God made God made people this way. Well, every single one of us has propensity towards sin. The Bible teaches us that there's none of us not righteous, no, not one. And I think it's very easy to to take a sin like homosexuality, an outward sin, and elevate it above, say, a more inward-focused sin like the sin of pride or someone who regularly lies or whatever it is that we can't actually see and we don't take our identity in, but nevertheless is still taking our hearts away from the Lord. And so I would just encourage you, don't focus so much on, you know, when your kids say, well, God made him this way. Well, my answer is always, well, we, we're all broken, 
right? We we are broken people because of the fall. You can trace this back to Genesis and uh, where, where the Bible teaches how we got into the state that we are in. And then David later on in the Psalms said, hey, the heart is desperately wicked. Notice he didn't say the heart of a homosexual is desperately wicked. He just said the hearts of human beings are desperately wicked. Who can even know them? And so when someone says to me, well, this is just how God made that person, I'm like, yep, and this person is a thief and this person is a liar. Does that mean that we identify that way for the rest of our lives? No. The Bible says that God came to set us free. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And so when your children make excuses for the sin of your son or for the sin of anyone else, we are forgetting the freedom that we have in Christ that we have been offered by the blood of Jesus. When a, when a child reveals to you that he's homosexual. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And I, I, this is hard when we, we want to, uh, just like if they were to come to you and reveal any kind of sin, right? We have our flesh and maybe we're afraid and we sort of lash out and we say things that we wish we hadn't. I want to just encourage you, no matter what, love wins the day. Right. Moms and dads love their children regardless. First John chapter four, verse eight says the one who does not love does not know God for God is love. God's kindness, according to Romans chapter two, verse four, is what leads us to repentance. And so we don't want to push our children away. And at the same time, we need not lie to them. So you can very, very gently and kindly tell your son, son, what you are doing is displeasing to to the Lord. Not only is it displeasing to the Lord, but the Bible has very strong caution against the sin of homosexuality. The Bible says that we reap the uh, effects of that particular sin in our bodies. We're sinning against our own bodies when we engage in homosexual sin. And parents need to remember, you guys, just like you, our kids have heart issues. And so we can't put good fruit on bad trees. It's very important for parents and you heard my friend Steve and I talking about this the other day, to recognize that when our kids get older, when they enter into adulthood, they are responsible for the choices that they make. And one thing that I have really come to to just lean into the Lord for in his promise to me as a mother is that if I do my part and I teach my children to walk with the Lord and I'm constantly putting my own heart issues before the Lord and saying, Lord, forgive me, help me to walk in a way that's pleasing and honoring to you. At the end of the day, what I don't want is to stand before the Lord and be filled with regret because I didn't do everything I could to train my children in righteousness. And mom and dad, if you've done everything that you could to train your children in righteousness and they still walk away from the Lord, what the enemy is after in that case is he's after you as well as your child because he wants you to feel like, well, I guess I'm a big failure as a parent. Look, my kid walked away from the Lord. Listen, guys, I've seen people uh, for years and years as a mother, as a friend, as a daughter, as a, a conference speaker who have done everything that they could in raising their children and their children still walked away from the Lord. And so there are no guarantees, right? The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, that we have an adversary, Satan, 
who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now, the Bible says he's like a lion. He's not a lion, but he sure disguises himself that way. And we need to be remembering to pray for our children every single day. We need, we want to pray, God, replace my child's heart of stone with a heart of flesh, like we read in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. Parents need to also encourage a child to come, who has already come out. And I, I want to quote to you directly from something I read at godquestions.org. I think this is so good. I'm going to quote from it right now. Parents should encourage a child who's come out not to define himself as homosexual. In other words, don't find your identity that way. It's important to ask questions. Are you in a relationship? Is this relationship sexual or platonic? Have you acted on your feelings of same-sex attraction, or are they just thoughts that you have? Parents can come alongside a struggling child and help him see that he is not, quote, gay simply because he has homosexual thoughts. Rather, he is struggling with homosexual desires or same-sex attraction. The difference between struggling with homosexuality and identifying oneself as gay may seem subtle, but it's a huge distinction, and here's why. God never created us to be homosexual. In Christ, that is not who we are. In Christ, we are a new creation. Christians may struggle with impatience, idolatry, lust, or pride. Christians may struggle with same-sex attraction, but that does not make them homosexual. We are new creations in Christ. So you may struggle with the sin of, uh, of pride, but once you identify, well, that's just me. I'm just a prideful person. What you're saying is the battle's over. Uh, I can't be helped. This is just who I am. And God doesn't want us to live in that place. We are sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Jesus came to set us free. And the Bible says who the son sets free is free indeed. And when our sons and daughters go off on their own, um, obviously, you know, assuming they're, they're of legal age and they start making choices that we know are going to bring uh, hard consequences with them. Mom and dad, here's your job. Are you ready? You have to let them go. You have to let them go. Uh, read the story. Uh, if you haven't for a while, go back and read the story of the prodigal son. We can learn a lot from that father who was had to have been absolutely devastated and heartbroken that his son took his inheritance, left his father's home, squandered that inheritance, broke his father's heart, but we never saw his father go running after him. We never did. And I think we have to let our children go and continue to prayerfully and faithfully pray for them and watch for these signs of repentance. We watch for a change in, in the countenance of the heart. And until we see it, we keep to our own counsel. We don't support the rebellion, but we also do not interfere. First Peter chapter 4, verse 15 says, let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. We want to stay out of our child's uh, sin issue, as it were, when they are adults, and we pray for them. We tell them exactly what the truth is. We remind them that we love them, and then we leave them in the hands of the Lord. As parents, we can support our prodigals in love and prayer. And then once they turn their hearts toward the Lord, once you start to see that shift or that question or that moment when, when you can tell, okay, my, my, their heart is softening, we move toward them in that way. God often uses self-inflicted misery to bring us to wisdom, doesn't he? I can think of many, many times in my own life when God has used my own stupidity to bring me uh, back around to a place where I, I recognize my need for the Lord and my need for the Holy Spirit. And this is no different. And so while it's, it's heartbreaking, uh, absolutely, don't let the adversary take two for the price of one 
stand firm in your position as his mother. You love your children. You tell them the truth. I'm going to be praying with you, Linda, for your husband too, because I think so often we can come around and we just, we want to agree with our kids because we're afraid that we're going to lose relationship with them. We don't want to lose out on that relationship and we don't want there to be any kind of awkwardness between us with our children. But the Bible teaches us that the enemy of our souls is always going to stir up trouble within families. And so we should be ready for that to happen. So hang in there and we will be praying for you here at the show. Jennifer in Virginia said, Heidi, I agree that yoga is wrong for Christians. Thank you, Jennifer. (laughs) You want to get on my Facebook page and back me up there, girl, because I wouldn't mind having a little backup. She said, what about Pilates? Is that a good alternative? Are there other good alternatives? I really need exercises to help with core building and flexibility as I get older. Man, Jennifer, I feel you. I absolutely do. Like I've said before, when someone asked me, well, don't you know, don't you feel bad about using essential oils? Because some of the people in these essential oil, oil companies are into new age religion. And I said, no, there's nothing wrong with using essential oils. Yoga is an actual religion. Essential oils are not. And when it comes to exercise, yoga is a religion, which is why I keep telling you guys do not participate in uh, in the religion, the practice of Hinduism, which is manifest in yoga, and instead find other ways to uh, exercise. I have been really, really happy uh, with just getting onto YouTube and finding exercise videos. Usually, you know, and I get bored really easy, women, with my exercise routine. Uh, you can imagine, you know, many of you have heard me for a long time at the show. I like to sort of keep things moving. I'm the same way in my personal life. I'll try something new. I'll try it. I want to learn it, master it, and then move on to the next thing. And exercise is kind of the same way. And so we can always be moving and changing the goalposts. So maybe you get onto YouTube and you type in, I was just talking to him about this uh, today, actually. Um, she's struggling with pre uh, post postnatal exercise. And I said, wow, you know, there's a, a lady on YouTube. I think it's called Get Fit with Sally or something like that. I love that woman's routines. It's like 15-minute routines and she does postpartum exercises. She does exercise to help you strengthen your core, strengthen your arms, or you might just type in, you know, 15 minute, you know, resistance bands exercises for beginners. There's lots and lots of places to start. You can type in Pilates workouts. There's lots and lots of them. Just stay away from yoga. Thank you guys for uh, sending in those questions. I really appreciate it. All right. I'm going to try really quick. I'm running over time. I want to read some of your comments from YouTube. Uh, This one says, I agree, Heidi that public schools are not salvageable. This was from my episode last week, which was titled Public Schools, No Place for Kids. Uh, She said, I pulled my kids to avoid the COVID insanity in 2020, and I'm so grateful for your encouragement, which helped solidify my decision to never send them back. I remember you saying, pull your children out of the schools, and I didn't get it, but I do now. Getting my children out of the schools was one of the best decisions I ever made. Homeschooling is a blessing. I'm in a difficult season now. So this message was very timely. I love that you guys are writing in and talking to me about the decisions that you are making with regard to your children. I said it last week, and I'm just so proud of this listener for doing the hard thing. We have choices in this country. When you realize that your children are being sexualized in the schools, you have a choice. When you realize that the libraries are peddling a pedophilia and gender insanity to children, you have a choice. When you realize that your kids are being taught that evolution is actual uh, evolution is how the world began when they're, when your children are being taught there's 400 genders and they can be a narwhal whale by Friday, you have a choice. You can either leave them in these cesspools of education 
where you can pull them out. And I'm really glad to see more and more of you doing that. Tanya Thompson said, Heidi, this is our second year of homeschooling. I work part-time. This has 100% been the best decision ever. I love that, Tanya. Rebecca Enns said, this is our first year of homeschooling. Best decision ever. This year has been great. Listen, you guys, I hear these things all the time. I know it's scary for a lot of you who are still like, oh my goodness, what do I do? What do I do? It was scary for me. I remember very clearly the day I pulled my own daughter out of the public school system. I went to her teacher. I loved her teacher. She had a wonderful teacher, a Christian teacher in our public school. But I just knew that God was saying, this is not a place for your child. And so I went to her teacher. My knees were knocking. I was scared. I didn't know if I was going to have the patience, didn't know if I could do it. That was 25 years ago. You guys can do this thing. And like me, you'll look back and say that was the best decision that we ever made. Jessica in Michigan. Heidi, what are your thoughts on extracurricular activities for homeschoolers? My almost seven-year-old daughter wants to start ballet and my five-year-old has dreams of sports. We also have a three-year-old and I'm expecting my fourth baby. So your house going to get real busy there, Jessica. Uh, She says, we live in a pretty rural area and to get anywhere is at least a 45-minute drive. I don't want to cheat them, but I thrive on a simple and quiet life and don't want to be constantly busy and chauffeuring children to one activity after another. All right, Jessica, what you just said right there, being constantly busy and chauffeuring children to one activity after another, you just described motherhood, motherhood of a lot of children. I love extracurricular activities for kids. I think it's great. I also think that you, and I wrote a book about this. So if you guys are curious, I wrote a book called uh, The Busy Homeschool Mom Guide to Daylight. How to Fit Your Size 16 Day into a Size 10. You can get that wherever books are sold. And I address this issue in there by saying, I believe that mothers, especially when you've got young children at home, need something that I call white space. That means at least two days in a row that are totally unscheduled. So you're not leaving your home. And I mean unscheduled. You're not scheduling doctor's appointments. You're not scheduling haircuts. You're not doing any of those things. You're staying home and you're focused on what it is that you need to be doing during those particular days. And like you, I thrive on being home also. I know some of you are like, what? You guys, I I mean, I love speaking. I love being out on the on the conference circuit. I love meeting you. My heart has always been home. If I didn't have to, uh, if, if I just didn't ever just listen to the Lord, I would probably just stay home. I love staying home. But I know for me, that's not where God's called me and, per, and really not in this season of my life to just be home. So Enjoy the season that you have that you can be home with your kids. But if you've got a little six-year-old who wants to do ballet, as long as you can, if you can find a way to get those activities to where they're happening one day a week, maybe that's the day that you're gone all day. Maybe that one day is when you've got your son has soccer and your daughter has ballet. Maybe they've got music lessons or whatever it is they're doing. That will really help you so that you're not going out five days a week to different activities. You're just going out one day or two days a week, and that might help you. All right, you guys, I am genuinely out of time. Thank you so much for listening. I'm going to get to Whitley in North Carolina's question when I come back uh, in a couple of days, how to respond to a husband who doesn't want to homeschool. You guys keep these questions coming. You can submit them to me at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday. You guys, thank you for listening to this podcast. It really is a blessing and an honor for me to be piped into your living rooms and into your showers five days a week. Thank you for sharing this podcast with your friends and helping us get out a message of hope and healing to this generation. I will see you back here tomorrow, right at the same time at the intersection of faith 